Hey, what's up, people? This is your boy Marcus Winfrey, one of the co-hosts here at Guy Talk Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed the last podcast that we had. Uh, we had a good time taping that. I uh, had a good, some good fun, some good stuff we yes, talked about, yes. and we hope you enjoyed it. Um, also, we hope you go ahead and like and subscribe our page. You know, we're gonna bring, be bringing some fresh, hot content, some good stuff for men, straight men talk, the real, relevant stuff that you could talk about. Awesome, good conversation that we can get into and just go from there. But I'm going to turn it over to our host, uh, Mr. C. Gray. He's going to introduce us to our guest and talk about our next episode. What up, people? This is your boy, C. Grant. Welcome to another episode of Guy Talk, where we are honest, open, and transparent. We are excited about today's episode. We have an awesome guest. I can't wait till we get in the weeds of this conversation, and y'all are going to be hopefully just as drawn in as I was. We have a Mr. Leroy Scott, author, um, licensed professional counselor, licensed mental health counselor, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other things that we don't know about or about we'll learn about. And uh, thank you for joining today, Leroy. Excited uh, to meet you. I know we've been talking a little bit off camera uh, about some things. Why don't you kind of tell the people who you are, your background, and uh, what you got going on? Yeah, so I'm Leroy Scott. I've been in mental health for a long time, been working with men for longer than that, and just want to say, man, I'm like really excited for the invitation to be on the show. I think you've got a really, really exciting um, really exciting show, man. I'm excited to talk about the book. I haven't talked yes, about the book yes. with you guys before, so I'm interested in, um, in sharing what, what's in that book, The Real Man Agenda. Yes, I've read the book. The book is awesome. I'm actually on my halfway through my second read. So uh, that's a good segue, everyone, into the title of our episode, which is The Real Man Agenda. As I said, Leroy Scott is the author of that book. Um, before we actually dive into the book, I, I want to start us off with a scripture that is going to kind of bring us into <clears throat> the book, and that is Titus 2, 6 through 8. And it says, Encourage the men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching shows integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. And I think that's a great segue into the book, The Real Man Agenda. And I'm going to start with what I saw as the, um, what captured my eye first in the book. And that's, it wasn't even in a chapter. It, it, it was in the uh, kind of the introduction piece of it. And you say, the sad truth is that the clear majority of men are not manning up to their responsibilities today. As a result, not only have young men become a throwaway commodity, but great women, desperate for stable husbands, are at a risk of never enjoying a truly solid family. And, and I got to be honest, I read that, Leroy, I was like, wait a minute. You know, a majority, you know, I was on the fence about it because, you know, because some of, the, some of the, a lot of guys I know, whether they are with their kid's mother or not, they are what I see to be accountable. Yeah. They seem to be don't fall in that majority. Mm -hmm. So what what do you what did you mean by that, or what what do you see? I guess in your professionalism. Well, I think that? just looking at the data. I mean, if you look at like if you're looking at a small circle of people, like say if you're in a small church and you got ten guys in the church and everybody's committed, that's not a real good snapshot of what's happening like in the real world, yeah. right? Yeah. So in the real world, um, you know, historically, men have really lost their accountability and responsibility to things that matter the most in life. And um, I think a good representation of that, if you look in the church, you see the church filled with women. 
Yeah. Men, men are men are logical, right? So men use their brain. So in in everything a man does, like he's going to be slow to assimilate into anything. So when I say majority, just looking at the data, man, um, women outnumber men, and it's already women are in a in a tough spot because it's already hard to find a man that's solid on the basic principles of what it means to be a man. Right. And whether that's defined by men or defined by women, at the end of the day, I think women are looking for great men. And the majority of men, when you look at the statistics, the majority are men. There are more men motivated to be single than there are men looking yeah. to be wanting to be looking for a wife. Like men are not looking for wives. The majority of men are looking to find themselves, to find their careers, to find the things that satisfy and please them in life. And not necessarily, you know, it's not like the old days when pe men were looking to be married and raise yeah. a family and yeah. stuff. So, so that's the mindset. That's the mentality of men now. So I write the book because I think some of the principles in the book, it's interesting because some of those principles in the book that I talk about, when I talk about them, depending on what generation I'm talking to, but they, they'll identify just basic fundamental principles of manhood as old school. Mm. And it's very interesting to me because um, the tenets of manhood are not necessarily old school, but they're being defined as being old school. Like, we don't think like that no more is what right, they say. We don't right, do that no more. Right. So that's what I mean the majority. And if you drop the age, you know, guys in their 40s, 30s, and once you hit 20s, young men, it's a, it's a totally different generation, a totally different way of thinking. They don't think about things like you know, taking care of a woman financially and, and providing for a family and being that, that, that leader and that financial, it just doesn't, the mathematics are not panning out like that. So I got the sense that manhood was leaving us. Mm. 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 Is that a masculinity thing you think as well though? Or is it just, whereas men are choosing not to, be in committed relationships, but maybe not necessarily losing accountability or, or responsibility for maybe the children or, you know, in things like such as that. Yeah, and I, I don't think just masculinity, man. I think a lot of elements have played against and particularly, I don't know what your show is for, but for black men in particular, like I just think a lot of elements play against their 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 existence, gotcha, right? Gotcha. Um, and I think it's not just them deciding not to be there, but I think systems have worked against them. Yeah. yeah. Psychological yeah. systems, yeah. slavery, financial systems, <coughs> economics, social systems, educational. Yeah. All of those systems have really worked against the 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 man, the black man, in particularly. Right. And I right. think, um, and I think. At some level, they were we were giving up on manhood, and that's the inspiration that that came wow. from the book. We were we were giving up on manhood and just settling just for like trying to to live. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's interesting because when I was reading that, I, I was curious in terms of uh, going back to the masculinity. You know, I. And that's just my interpretation. I'm glad you explained mm -hmm. it. But just thinking what I, how I was thinking through it in terms of masculinity was you see through social media uh, or various outlets how the media or whomever tries to set what masculinity looks like. Yeah. And that obviously that's being uh, portrayed to our children, being portrayed to us as adults. You know, has that played a part in terms of a lot of things whereas men don't want to so-called be responsible in certain areas. Yeah. 
I, I would think, you know, because I, I feel at some level you, we're speaking generalizations, right? Now, right. I, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm very careful with, with speaking to guys because guys are always being accused of doing something wrong and not right. necessarily right. F- we're not focusing on what they're doing right. right. But the reality of it is, man, I think that, and what I try to bring out in the real man agenda, what every man needs to know, what I try to bring out is um, these like psychological and internal drives and triggers and symptoms and things that work to undefine him almost, like to, so that he can never live up to the perspective of what God says, like what God says he should be. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that it's just men choosing not to be responsible. I think gotcha. life is, man, listen, I think the hardest thing in the world to be is a man. Yeah. Period. End of the day. That's my opinion. Yeah. People could do what they want with it. I agree. But unless you've lived it, then you don't know that, right? Correct. Yeah. Because, um, and you guys can attest to this, bro. Like being a man and deciding to be responsible, accountable, and walk out of your door every day and go fight against society and then go home and raise your kids and 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 be a leader and bruh. It's hard. I think so I think a part of that too is a lot of men are not shown how to be men. Yeah. Because mm. a lot of times we inherit what our dads did and, mm. and what they saw as a dad. And I think in this new generation, it's so so many single women having, especially in the black community, mm-hmm. having to raise their children alone, alone until right. where you, you get those men growing up and they don't know how to be a man. They mm. see mama do everything. Right. So in turn, they'll turn around and be the type of man that will depend on their wife or their girlfriend to do everything. That's the ones who want to sit back and just, mm-hmm. well, you do it. I don't know how to do it. And and a lot of times men, we, we do do a lot of stuff right according to our own knowledge, but sometimes we do need some help too. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what this book is going to help people at too, where they can yeah. see that, hey, there's some places that you're lacking that you can grow from. And it's, it's harder for men to ask for help. Like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Most men, you're not going to get them to do that. We're, we're, we're more of a Mr. Fix-It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's a problem, I'm going to figure it out. Until I can't figure it out no more, then I'm going to just kind of give up on it because I can't get it. But we have to change that mindset, too, Yeah, in the yeah. masculine form. Yeah. You know, I know a lot, of, a lot of brothers that struggle with that. They are working every day. They're paying bills, but they're coming home and still feeling like failures. Yeah. You know, because they don't understand what direction am I supposed to go into. You know, they, they didn't see dad fighting through issues they seen dad come home from work the wife give him the food mama take care of the kids all he do is go to work and that's it right. they didn't see dad coming in there and loving on the kids and telling them son I love you I'm proud of you they didn't see those type right. of things so it's different for the generation of men that's even our age that's coming up that's trying to teach the younger kids because we didn't see we it from our taught. days yeah. exactly yeah, you I know, think if that's I, a big deal because example wise I know even for myself there's a lot of things that I didn't I, I either learn by trial and error mm-hmm. or I didn't learn until I was in my 20s and since mm-hmm. a certain thing still learning we all learning every day right. but like such as a, a changing a tire mm-hmm. something's dead I didn't, I didn't learn that until I was probably like 20 something yeah you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So going back to the example, even the small things, you know, of, of setting that example, that man being in the home to really guide mm-hmm. and instruct. So what, what really inspired you to write the book? Was you seeing examples like that? Or what was the inspiration behind the book? Yeah, all of that, man. I, I think my, my own personal life, growing up, being raised by a single mom, mm-hmm. being raised by women, um, aspiring deep within myself to want to be 
fathered. Right. Um, and not just, you know, for Christmas and shoes and shirts, but I knew that there was something deeper in me as a boy um, that was yearning for something masculine. Like, I wanted to love a man. Yeah. I wanted to be loved by a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous waters when you say, when I say it out loud, I'm thinking yeah. like, bro, like that don't sound good. Yeah, yeah. But I knew as a boy that God had, I knew that I came from a man. Yeah. Through yeah. a woman, but from a man. Right. So as I started to practice, and the majority of my clients were women, I, I would wonder where the men are. Because I knew men struggled because I was a man. And I had d- determined to be like as solid of a man as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And... um and most of the people I was working with were women. And most of the times when women came in, they were talking about their men. Yeah, they were talking yeah. about men. And in particularly around their relationships and how it was affecting their lives and stuff. And then some of that stuff started to resonate for me as though, like, I couldn't, I couldn't really reach men because they weren't in church. They don't read books. They, they're not there. Yeah. If you want to find them, you got to go to the job. You got to apply for a job, sit down with them and... And they were still very, men are very slow. Like they, they don't, they're very slow to allow you into their space because right. they're men. Right. Definitely, yeah. So I, I wrote, man, the book. As a matter of fact, the first book I wrote to a man um, was, was I wrote the book to women. Mm. And some of the same things that are in the Real Man Agenda were in that book. But I wrote the book to women, Getting Inside Your Man, um, a woman's guide to understanding the man she loves is the title of that book. And I knew that men don't read books. Um, so I wrote the book to women with the hope that it would reach their men. And it did f- at some level. But if you read the first page of the real man agenda, I basically just tell the ma- the male audience that I wasn't like running around trying to find them no more. I was going to write directly to them. And I say that in that book. So that book is actually my resolve for saying, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. 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 If you're just joining us again, the topic today is the real man agenda author, Leroy Scott. And one of my favorite chapters in this book was is chapter 13, the guilty man. Mm -hmm. And, I'm going to read again for, for something because I, I just want the audience to, to hear this. Uh, some men feel so guilty. They feel like they have failed their families, the people who love them, the people who depended on them, and everyone and everything else. But you have to know how to be guilty of something without being guilty for it. You have to learn how to take responsibility for the areas of your life where you simply made a mess without letting your feelings about those mistakes guide the rest of your life. And that spoke to me so deeply. And, I, and <clears throat> on a personal level, you know, you you have these guilt, where well, you have this of always wanting to get it right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have some people that come behind you and say, where well, you've maybe disappointed them or let them down. And in tune, as Marcus taught, said to you earlier, you may in some uh, capacities feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. And, and so you carry this and you just, at least for me, I found myself in a, a, a people-pleasing mode for a long time because of that guilt Mm -hmm. and that guilt never goes away and you never can please everybody Mm -hmm. so you just caught in this what i feel a conundrum of really just sending yourself into this i don't know 
deep depression or yeah. loneliness, you know, yeah. that kind of how I felt, at least from my my story. Like, what did you? That's what you're seeing from me in terms of the guilty man, or what is that? What is that? What did you mean by that? Yeah, that's exactly what I meant by it. Um, you know, for men, um, so men pro- we process emotions very differently than women mm-hmm. uh, because most of our processing of our emotions are done at a very, very high cognitive level. And if it doesn't make reasonable sense, then men at some level don't deeply understand it. So guilt is an emotion mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's an emotion. It's a tricky emotion and particularly for men because men have this ideology of responsibility and perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm. And th- th- this ideology that men have, it drives there it drives them in a way to where they have to know everything and they have to get everything right yeah like that's yeah. what testosterone all, all chemicals in his body that's what it drives him to be and that's what makes him a man so it's the things that make him a man that make guilt his enemy mm. um because guilt is driven by anxiety mm-hmm. right and the way guilt works in particularly in men is if I am, if ideolo- if my ideolo- ideology is to always know what to do and to always get it right, and when I don't get it right, I basically have to suffer by myself or figure it out by myself, yeah. but don't give me directions because I know where I'm going. Um, so when he does something wrong, it's not this like sociological realm of his life, like outside of himself people blaming him and telling him over and over again and reminding him of what he did wrong. But when men do something wrong and they accept like conscious that I did it and then they accept responsibility for it, that's an internal warfare for him Mm -hmm. because now what he's going to try to do is going to try to repay. It's almost like redemption. I'm going to work to repay what I did wrong and nothing about myself in particular way I think the way I feel my emotions none of that stuff lets me be free I go to church I go to the altar and do all that but none of that really lets me be free so the, the when guilt guilt is almost like I am taking responsibility for something that I did wrong but it's still wrong and as long as I'm working to get it right, I can never get it right. And that's the really the, the, the paradigm for which guilt functions in him and it confuses him. It makes him depressed. It makes him anxious. But the biggest thing guilt does, and I write about it in the book, it makes his decision process error. Mm-hmm. So what he's going to do is he's going to give a lot of energy to things that need a little and not enough energy to things that need a lot because yeah, he's yeah. operating and functioning out of guilt, which means he's going to make the wrong decisions about doing, trying to do the right thing because guilt decisions, he's going to overcompensate mm-hmm. in areas. He's yeah. going to do too yeah. much for the son or the kid that he wasn't there for. He's not going to do enough in the places that he needs to do enough in. And, um, it plays out in his work. It plays out in his ministry decisions, man. It plays out in his prayer life. It plays out in every aspect of his life because it's it's motivated and driven by anxiety, which is fear-based, and him never being able really to redeem what he's done wrong. It doesn't matter how many times people tell him. 
doesn't matter how many times he hears that he's okay, he's good. It's a process for which he has to resolve within himself. Most men that come to therapy at some level, regardless of what motivates them to come at some level, we're working on guilt. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> let me jump it, in here right Yeah, quick. go yeah. ahead. Yeah. I, I, d I dealt with this uh, guilt mm. for a long time. And uh, I, I recently got free from this about a couple of days ago. Mm. And what ended up happening is, um, you know, I, I've accomplished a lot of things in my life. You know, that's a lot of things that I was proud of, but, but because of guilt, I wasn't even able to appreciate what I had done or have overcome. Yeah. And one day sitting, talking and thinking, it's like, you know, I had a conversation with my pastor uh, one day and he, 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 he shared some things with me that, that opened my eyes to some stuff. And then I talked to my therapist a couple of days later and she said, you have to free yourself from what you did, what you did or didn't do. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Just like what he's saying here in the book. You can't you can't go back and undo stuff. Right. That that you did already. Once right. it's done, it's done. It's done. You know, hey, you messed up. You messed up. Mm -hmm. You dropped the milk. It's over with. It, it, it's dropped. It's all, all the only thing you do is clean up, go buy some more. All right. And replace it. A lot of times we make so many bad decisions. We we in relationships, you know, because mm -hmm. we messed up. Right. Okay, I got caught cheating, so let me go marry her. Right. Because I messed up, you right. know. Or or or, or I, I didn't do right at work, so I'ma stay here longer than I need to, knowing that I want to go start a business. Right. And right. Uh, these things these are things that hinder our lives because we can't forgive ourselves. Can't and forgive. it comes from forgive yeah. for forgiveness. Yeah. You gotta be able to forgive yourself. First of all, and a lot of times for men, especially me, that's hard to do. Because, okay, I want to do right in everything. I want to be be right. I want to make sure everybody sees me as doing the right thing. Yeah. But in, in, in retrospect, you're only hurt, hurting yourself. Because a lot of times the people have moved on from what you're still holding on to. Mm. So a lot of times in your mind you have to say, okay, listen, I messed up. I, I did it. I own it. Okay, now let me push that down and keep moving. Because the longer I sit there and deal with what I'm guilty of, the longer I stay stuck into something I don't need to be in. A lot of times we are in so many different situations. I counsel people on marriages all the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you, you see a lot of brothers that married a woman that they didn't want yeah. mm -hmm. because they were guilty for something else that they did. Right, right. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you do it? Well, <clears throat> she stuck with me. She was here with me through through my ups and my downs, through all the stuff. And man, I put her through a lot, and she stuck with me. You're not telling me that you love this woman, that this is the person you want to be with. You tell me I'm guilty of of wrongdoing. So I'm trying to, like he said, put too much energy right. in something that's not there. Now what she should have did is walked away, and you should have walked away too because y'all seen it was bad. But instead, you allow guilt to keep you in a situation longer than you wanted to. Now you got kids that you wish you would have had with somebody else. Now you stuck in a situation longer than you should have been with somebody else because you've allowed what you should have let go of to control you now. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's what guilt does. It, it hinders us and it strickens us down to a place to where I'm stuck here because I want to make sure I get this thing right with this person when sometimes you messed up. Right. Let it go. You got to move on from it. You can't so what go... about those men that are constantly reminded of their mistakes? Because that yeah. plays into the unforgiveness. That yeah. plays into I got to do everything every day to make up, you know, or five good days with your family or friend and one bad day they reminded you, oh, remember you messed up two weeks ago and you did X. Yeah, you, you, you guilt that guilt yeah. tripping. Yeah. yeah, man. So, I, I, you know, it's interesting, I, I, and I hope audience um, empathizes with the, with the perspective, right? But I mentioned it in a few chapters after the guilt chapter, I talk about redemptive sonship. Mm -hmm. I believe at some level um, in my work, I believe the relationship between a man and his father 
is one of the most significant relationships um, he can have in his lifetime. So the work that needs to be done with a man's guilt is not him correcting his mistakes. Mm. Mm. It's deeper than that because the cure for guilt is affirmation. It's biological affirmation. Yeah, it's, it's to know that I am a man and that I am okay. And the third part is the most significant. I come from somewhere. Yeah. I come from somebody. Mm. And that is the work that he does with his father. Whether he's got to go to a gravesite and do that redemptive work of affirmation on himself, or whether his dad is living and in jail and he's got to visit a jail, or wherever his dad is. That's good. I say this over and over again in that book that if you think about our relationship with guilt, even as Christians, we're born into sin. We're born guilty. And this is what's interesting. The resolution of our spiritual guilt is tied to our heavenly father. Mm, that's good. So whenever men struggle with guilt, it's not necessarily only because of them working through what they did wrong. It's them resolving the reality of who they are as a man and where he comes from. That's good. And that element of affirmation with his father plays a very, very significant role in him saying to himself, I'm not perfect, but I'm okay. Wow. wow. And if he doesn't do that work, I say this, I say in the book, I talk about um, the pursuit of manhood mm -hmm. in the first chapter. And I say, in order to genuinely and authentically be in love with a woman, he has to first be loved by a man. That man, hopefully, his father. Hmm. The greatest love for him to ever experience in his life, even prior to women, is the love of a man's hand on his head, affirming him as a son. Because a lot of us, I think, at some level have become men, but we've never been sons. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that identifies us as a son the is the man that we come from. Yeah. So I think, and I hope that the guys hear me when they, they hear you, watch your, your podcast, man, and they, they read the book and they hopefully give me a chance like, give me an opportunity to explain myself. Sometimes I say this stuff, but you got to understand, God has always had me ahead of the game because I've been in mental health for so long working with men. So sometimes I'll say things and people be like, oh, I don't understand it, but give me a chance. Yeah. But yeah. I think for guys, like I'm talking to y'all and I hear you sitting there, you resonating for like, whoa, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because what I'm saying is that, man, the resolution of his earthly guilt is tied to his relationship with his father and being affirmed by his dad as a man. So what does that look like? 
So we have, you know, there are a lot of brothers that desire to be, or men that desire to be great fathers, you know. They desire to have those relationships with that's their guilt. daughters that's or guilt. sons. See, th that's what I'm talking about, man. So say, okay, I don't grow up with my dad. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the greatest dad in the world. Yeah. But it's not what you do that is that is most important. It's what is driving what you do. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good. So in the book, I, I talk about, like, redemption, right? I, I What I say is, like, okay, so me trying to be the best dad I can, if it's motivated by me not having a father, then this is its premises. Anger, depression, mm. and guilt. They are driving me to do something good, but the source and the root of it is shallow. So what's going to happen at the end of the day is I'm going to repeat the generational pattern. Mm. I'll give an example. Mm. I had a man that wasn't present, right? He wasn't present with his family. He was running around cheating on his wife and, and never really was there for his son. And his son decided that um, he would not be this man that was running around with women and doing all that. He was going to be there for his son and so he worked hard, he did his thing. And when the son, when they came into therapy, son told his dad, well, dad, you really weren't there for me. And it blew his son's mind. It blew his dad's mind because dad was like, what do you mean I wasn't there for you? He said, you worked all the time. Wow, wow. And the dad was sitting there, and this was very interesting to me because the dad was sitting there oblivious to the reality that he had repeated a generational pattern mm -hmm. of being absent, emotionally absent from his family, from his son's life. But he thought he was good because he wasn't running women, but he was running money. Mm. Wow. So what I'm saying is... We talked about that on our last episode, yeah, the chase. Yeah. We get so caught up in chasing the bag, I think we leave uh, sight of what truly matters. Although yeah. the financial aspect matters, but time yeah. matters the most. You Absolutely. Know, the time. And, and I th we see where, uh, going back to what you're saying in terms of um, not doing what our father do. So I guess a lot of men say, okay, I know what to do as a father because I saw what my father didn't do. Yeah. So I have to do the opposite, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. But then you go into saying, okay, my father worked all the time. I'm I'm, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a make money for the family. I'm going to do all these things. But you find yourself... Um, being in the same kind of bucket, yeah. so to speak, but just doing it a different way, if that makes sense. Yes, man. So so think about the logic of it. We're men, so we're logical, bro. So think about the logic of it, right? So I didn't have a father in my life, so I'm going to make up for that by being a father to my son. You may be a man, but you've never been a son. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't you don't jump through the process here. Yeah. So the, the in real time, when I say okay, I'm gonna be the father that I didn't have, it's not about you being a father. Like anybody can change and play with your kid, go to the baseball practice. That's not what it's about. Manhood is about sonship. Mm -hmm. So when you're seeking to be a father, you have to you have to take the prerequisite first, and the prerequisite for manhood is sonship. Mm. So if you want to be a great father and demonstrate fatherhood and leadership, then go and resolve the relationship with your father 
that is the most beneficial thing you can do for your son, period. Because that demonstrates your ability to desire what you're trying to give your son you didn't have. And you're saying, you know what? The reason I'm giving it to my son is because it's very important and I missed it. Well, if it's that important, go get it and then give it to your son. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Wow. So sonship is critical, man. Yeah. Wow. If I had my way with men, bro, I would send every single solid, every single man to his father. That's all we going to do is go find our fathers, wrap our arms around our dads, good, bad, or indifferent. Go That's find your father. Yeah. Regardless of his response, regardless of what you think, the best relationship work he can do in his lifetime is with his father. That's good. Father's Day. Father's Day this year, um, I took my son to the gravesite mm. to see my dad. Mm. And before I let my son come out, I had a moment mm. at the gravesite. I cried. Why you it. cried? This is good, because man. I had to I had to release the the hurt, the see guilt, the pain of him leaving early and having some things I didn't understand happen as a child. And I'm like, why did it, why did you do this? Why did you allow that? And I cried for a while, and I let my mom keep him in the car. And once I get, got that out, I said, I'm ready to introduce my son to his grandfather. You know, and that was a, a, a turning point for me because he died when I was 13. Wow. But I visited the grave at 40. Wow. And I started to get freedom at 40 years old. Wow. You know, yeah, I forgave him for some stuff that happened when I was a kid. I forgave him for some things I was angry about a while ago. But in order to release him <clears throat> to be a to, to be a son to him, there you go. Right. You know, I had to go there and get that out beforehand. And when I brought my son there, even though he doesn't understand, right? You know, this is your grandfather. This is I, we took a picture to let him know that this is this is That's who you come so from, right? Right. You know, and this is who this is a part of who I am. I'm him, even though he's in the grave. He's been in there 26 years. I'm a part of him. You're so, his son. Yeah, I'm the son. I'm the son. You know what's interesting about what he what you saying is. And this is my perspective and my philosophy. I hope people can respect it. But I don't believe it's what your father gives to you that makes you a son. I don't believe it's what my dad gave to me that makes me his son. I believe what makes me his son, it's what I do for him. It's what I give to him. It's me claiming that this is my father that makes me his son. Yeah. So when I think about the relationship between the father and the son, the expectations we have of what our father should have done do not identify us as sons. Mm. Yeah. What makes us sons is me saying, that's my daddy over there. Right. That's it. right. You good? You all right? I'm coming. That means that I'm his son. That's my father. So just just reframing that, just like what you said you did at the gravesite. Yeah. Your dad is not saying that's my son. Yeah. It's you saying that's my father. That's my father. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What is your favorite chapter in the book? Chapter one. Chapter one. Chapter one is my favorite chapter <laughs> in the book. Um, it, it it's it's um it, it's it's the three um, pursuits of manhood. pursuits of manhood. Yeah. Um, the word, um, work. And, and wife. And the wife. I think every man should pursue a power that is greater than himself and be responsible to that God source 
meaning that there is a God that is greater than him. Right, right. He's not the greatest thing in the world. Not self-made, but God-made. God-made. That's number one. Number two, I think a man should seek to work. Before pursuing anything else, I think he should seek to find his hands to labor and trade. And then I think his final pursuit should be not a woman, but a wife. A wife. And I think those are the ultimate pursuits of manhood. Dudes get mad at me because they say, well, what if I'm not looking for a wife? And I say, well, you're not on my... Don't you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> I, I saw a lot. That's all I got, you know. And you're gonna be, you're gonna try to be hitting something here and there, right. doing something, you know. So I said, if you're gonna do it that way, you might as well find a woman that you could, um, you could take her from her baby doll dreams of what life could be, and you can walk her into a reality that you helped to create for her. Man, there's nothing like that for a man. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's real. That's real. The wife is the be one of the best things that you can have yeah. attached to you. Yeah. I know I, I'm talking from experience. I feel my you wife, right there when you say that. Man, my wife is awesome. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah. Like, my wife changed the game for I me in so it, many though. capacities. You know, I got a whole nother way and I step into things because of my wife. Wow. And I think men need to understand that what a wife means, yeah. you know, and what that brings to you. What it means, first, what does it mean as it, as it relates to what God thinks about marriage, yeah. right? Yeah. But secondly, what you guys are going to accomplish together for the kingdom and yeah. for each other yeah. together. Yeah. Man, my wife, I, and that's a whole nother, that's a show in itself. That's a show but, but just encouraging men that, don't fear marriage. You know, don't obviously get married for the wrong reasons, but don't fear marriage and fear having a wife. Yeah. So, again, the name of the book, everyone, The Real Man Agenda, awesome book, Leroy Scott. And we always like we wrap up with a wrap-up question. And the wrap-up question for today is, what is the best thing that we can be as men? Not do as men, but what is the best thing we can be as men? And I'll, whoever I'll wants to go first, yeah. An example. I think an, an example to other young men because a lot of young men don't have a father that they can find mm. because they don't know who he is. They, they've never seen him, never heard about him. Mom never told him who he was. She probably doesn't even know who she, who, who she is. So I think the best thing we can do is be an example to show them how men are supposed to be. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it, man. When you asked it, I, there's a lot of things that came to my mind because I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think what I'm resolving for myself is the best thing I can do is be faithful and committed to the things that I'm responsible for. You know? Um everybody's not going to like me. Everybody's not going to follow me. Everybody's not going to want to be the man I am. I'm not going to be impressionable to everybody. So I've settled, you know, on just making sure that I'm faithful, I'm accountable to the things that I've got responsibility for. And I think the last thing is that I'm stable, man. Mm, yeah. Mm, that's big. Yeah, that's I think big. I'm. I just, just want to be stable, Yeah. you know? And making sure that I commit myself to my own emotional stability, bro. Yeah. Like, that's where I am. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, yeah. That's kind of how I am as well. Just wanting to be stable, you know, mentally. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and being able to be able to 
have that mental strength and physical strength to give, to yeah. pour into, yeah. you know, whether it's my wife, whether it's the kids, whether yeah. it's another brother that I'm talking to, yeah. the gentleman watching this this podcast. So, yeah. so yeah, tell us what you got going on. What's next? Where can where, where can folks find you? Oh, sure, yeah, man. So the website is the best place: www.leroyscott.com, and um, you can find resources and information and videos and all of that. I've got a new book coming out called Bounce Back. Okay. How to recover from anything um, in five simple steps, um, and um, we brand we rebranding the Holy Word Scott brand after COVID and all of that. But people around the country know me as a relationship coach, so I'm all about relationships and marriage and family and all that stuff. So, awesome, awesome. But um, if you hit the website, then that's the best place. That's we gotta have you back to for the for the book for Bounce Back. Yeah, you know, we yeah, that's gonna be good. That. Yeah. That's gonna be good, man. So, real man agenda, Leroy Scott. LeroyScott.com You can find this You can find what he's doing What he has going on How to purchase the book An awesome episode Thank you for sharing your knowledge And wisdom with us today Leroy We appreciate you You can find Guy Talk On all platforms YouTube Spotify uh, Instagram Go like and subscribe To see our episodes we are really doing our best to be honest, open, and transparent around men, impacting the lives of men, and, and uh, really having some positive, positive feedback from that. So, again, go subscribe. The Guy Talk uh, podcast, honest, open, and transparent. See you next time.